I'd like to thank my sponsors, Celsius, Equus, and Round the X for making this episode possible. Stay tuned later in the episode for more info. What is up, everybody? I'm Scott Melker, and you're listening to the Wolf of All Streets podcast, where two times every single week, we talk to your favorite personalities in Bitcoin, art, music, politics, finance, sports, basically anyone with a good story to tell. This show is powered by Blockworks Group, a media company with over 20 podcasts in their network, and you can check them out at blockworksgroup.io. If you like the podcast and you follow me on Twitter, you need to check out my website, join my newsletter, where I share all my trades, charts, analysis, markets, thoughts, and lessons on improving your trading and investing. You can check all that out at thewolfofallstreets.io. Now, today's guest is the author of a renowned book titled The Price of Tomorrow, Why Deflation is Key to an Abundant Future. Coming from a tech and entrepreneurial background, Jeff has noticed concerning trends in the economy that he believes to be both unsustainable and at odds with one another. I'm excited to learn more about his plans for the future of monetary policy, or at least what those plans should be if he was in control of the central bank. Jeff Booth, it's a pleasure to have you. Thank you so much for being here today. Thanks for having me, Scott. So as I touched on in the intro, you have a tech background, a bit of an entrepreneurial spirit. Can you tell us about what you've done in the past and some of the technologies that you've worked on and are interested in? Um, the technology that I've worked on are pretty broad. I started a company in 1999, a tech company called Build Direct, and grew that to about a half a billion dollars, maybe just over that in, in U.S. and market value, market cap. Um, and then been on boards and helped entrepreneurs and uh, quite a number of different technology companies. So I've been at the front seat of where technology is kind of eating the world. Um, for a long time, and uh, and in that, just watched how fast things are, have been moving um, on technology. So I'll just kind of preface this with: it's incredible what's happening in technology. There's still crazy opportunities um, for entrepreneurs in technology. It's just um, it, it, if I said that's not sustainable with the way the world is wired from a monetary policy. Can you uh, explain a bit more deeply what you mean by that? So technology is inherently deflationary. And, and, and when, it, when I say deflationary, it's deflationary on an exponential path. Um, so in um, technology removes labor, labor, right? No single company, all, all, the, all the CEOs I would work with um, are, are trying to make the world a better place by using technology to reduce price, right? But that comes at a cost to labor labor is removed and technology is, uh, is, is moving and that brings prices down. Um, and that's a good thing for society. It's a very good thing for society. In fact, every single monopoly around technology is created around you getting things for less, right? If you look at Google, um, you use it because it's free. If you look at Waze, you use it because it's free. If you look at Amazon, you use it because prices keep coming down and then they add movies for free. Um, if you look at your iPhone, everything on it is effectively free, right? And so, and and by the way, those free prices or those free things are with monetary policy as it exists today, right? So they should be way cheaper. So your phone, iPhone should be way cheaper, but they're propped up against unnaturally printing of money. So the natural course through history through technology is deflation. That's That's nature, right? That's what should be happening. And, and it should be happening everywhere at an exponent. So if technology is riding the rails of exponential trends, we should be getting exponentially more for less along that same trend line. 
So it begs the question, why aren't we? Aren't we? And, and because technology is up against today, a force that is almost equal in power until it's not, but monetary easing um, or debt creation and then monetary easing that is stopping prices from falling, falling or as fast as they can or that inflation pegged by central banks that they need 2% inflation, otherwise the world collapses. Um, and, and they're doing more and more bags of tricks to try to achieve that. It's actually causing the whole thing to accelerate faster. So we can go into that a little bit if you want, but, uh, but that's what's happening. Sure. I think this begs the question for anyone who might not understand it or have the background in it, because it's not something I think that your average person thinks about. What, what is their money, really? Right? I mean, we're talking about monetary policy. We're talking about these sort of uh, high, higher level concepts. But at the end of the day, it really comes down to what our money is and what purpose it serves, right? So maybe you can give a little background on monetary policy and how we got to this sort of debt-based inflationary environment. Well, so, so maybe I'll start with uh, inflation and deflation because we grew up sure. thinking inflation's bad, right? And so let's just look at those two concepts and say it's not good or bad. It's good or bad for different people or different policies. Right, so in vacuum. Yeah, it, exactly. So inflation, all it is is when your money is worth less and goods and services, essentially goods and services go up in relation to your money. Right. Right. So if you want to know what money is, it's just a store of value that uh, through time that you can buy more goods and services or less goods and services. With inflation, you can buy less goods and services because this that store of value on inflation is less, right? So, um, so um, deflation is the opposite. Deflation is um, your your goods and your, you can buy more with your money as as prices come down. So if you were just you and I we're having a conversation in our lives and we've said, Oh, wow. Wouldn't inflation be good because we could get more and more for less. Like that's a, that would be yeah, enough. Seems pretty <laughs> obvious. Yeah. <laughs> so why do you think you use that? You, why do you think you go and look for deals? Why do you think you, you gravitate as people to companies that are offering you more and more for less? It's natural. That's, that's, that's what we should be doing. Right. And that's how capitalism works. When, when entrepreneurs race into a system to create better value, they win, right? And so that's a natural course. So, so now on those two different pieces, inflation, you could say, is a hidden tax to society, right? So governments can't, can't pay for all their services without hiding some of the taxes in inflation. Right. Um, and, and so what they do is, is they inflate away, away their uh, inflate currencies because otherwise taxes would have to go way up to cover their uh, uh, cover their services, right? And, but inflation actually is a hidden tax on most of society, right? So it, it enriches some um, because if you have the assets and you drive inflation, right, those assets go up in go up in price. And you pay back the debt on that, that those uh, that on your borrowing with cheaper money tomorrow because of the inflation. On deflation, is the exact opposite argument. Your currency value goes up, and you buy goods and services uh, for less. So now, where are we in this transition? Right. So, um, one of the things I pointed out to, uh, to in my book, and it's 
predicted all of these events, right? It didn't predict COVID, but any, it just predicted everything else and the acceleration is, is if you looked at the natural thing into what's happening with technology, you would assume prices are coming down way more than they are right now everywhere, right? That's what mm-hmm. it would be natural. So right. it begs the question, what has happened to stop that? And what's, why isn't that happening? And pre-COVID, we had $250 trillion of global debt against an $80 trillion global economy. Um, that was pre-COVID. Right. Um, and, and $185 trillion of that new debt was created over the last 20 years. Right. Right. So that leverage, that debt, isn't driving the same effect to economies. So if it's not, debt isn't good or bad. It's debt that can't be paid back is really bad. Right. So, so, so if you have to create essentially a dollar of new, uh, $4 of new debt for every dollar of growth, and it gets worse and worse and worse, everybody realizes that you can't pay back that debt. Of course. Right? And, and so that's when what's happening today is the rules are changing to not pay back the debt, right? To solve debt problems with more debt, right? right. To try to create inflation at any cost because, because central banks missed that this was a structural change to society. The deflation could be a really good thing. And they went all in on creating more and more debt to leverage. And now they're trying to solve that same problem by creating more and more debt and leverage. Because, because if you allow deflation to happen now, you have a depression. Asset prices, if governments stopped doing what they're doing right now, and let's argue both sides of this. Right, please. So, um, if governments stop doing right now, and you're seeing today in, in what's happening in the US and in, as, as, uh, as, uh, as po- a policy isn't allowing this next level of stimulus, you're seeing cracks in the in the market that unwind without more stimulus and actually without exponentially more stimulus that un- unwind would take asset prices down by 80 or 90 percent yeah across the board right house prices so a lot of people say oh housing is a great store of value right and, and it is against this deflationary um but they don't ask what would my house be worth if we, if in the last 20 years, there wasn't $185 trillion of additional stimulus, right? They don't ask what would prices look like if, if there was a normal policy, right? Around, so, so you have a Ponzi scheme on one side, right? Of more and more debt creation, money printing. And people can make a lot of money in Ponzi schemes if you're out at the right time. Right. If you're in the right assets and you can make money in a Ponzi scheme. But so you have on one side of this, um, if governments have two choices, central banks have two choices, depression to clear this. And if they allow depression, you reset debts and everything else. You wipe out the debts wiped out. You go through a multi-year depression and uh, banks fail. Right. It's so ugly for society um, that, that that's because they, the problem is so big now. So right. you, that, that's that. So I suspect that's not going to, they're not going to allow that. Right. I suspect that they're going to try everything to create inflation. 
they've openly stated now that, you know, two, 2% is no longer the goal and they're going to, you know, play the experiment of allowing it to rise beyond 2% and see what happens. So where it was sort of this hidden policy, as you touched on before, now it's kind of coming out in the open that, Hey, we need to, we need inflation and we're going to, we're going to push it. Right. Yeah, but but now let's go a little deeper into that that piece because a lot of people this this debate rages and everything else and say when are we going to get inflation and deflation when it when and this is just a time so I can't predict exactly what policymakers will do I can just say what the probabilities look like um, and so if central banks use kind of the, what the Fed does today they. Powell could say all day long he's going to create inflation. He has no ability to right now. Uh, of course, um, because because by pushing through uh, through bank, if banks won't lend to the economy, right, and there's not a good enough economy, and the, it's, there's not a good enough economy because of the very thing that central banks are doing, right. Um, then that will never get into the hands of enough people to create inflation. In fact, what they what what they're doing is actually driving asset prices higher because it gets into the the, the banking system. It gets in it's it's a direct injection into companies like Facebook, Google as a store of value. It's a direct direct injection into housing, real estate prices as a store of value, Bitcoin, gold, and very little of that is getting into the economy. Right, because people know what's coming next, so they're putting it in stores of value. And and l let me go. Um, so that's going to change. So that will change, but it hasn't changed yet. And it's not just the Fed; it's global. Right, right. every country is doing the same thing. Right. So um, so that is actually more disinflationary in in um, in, in principle. Because what ends up happening is to pay that back, if you assume it has to be paid back, taxes must go up on all of these things that destroy the economy further. In fact, you're stopping the natural forces of capitalism from working and entrepreneurial talent from, uh, from, from a free market from existing. And you're putting all power in the government by, by doing that. So I'll give you an example. Um, so real estate prices we're on zoom right now instead of meeting right and yep. uh, and, and 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 so are many companies and and I, i'll go a little deeper in it. a lot of main companies especially technology companies is saying work from home forever yeah this is it this is it um so by the way that's step one step two uh, to, to that equation is if you can work from home and, and I'm a CEO of a company, wouldn't I hire the cheapest layer, the best talent, cheapest labor anywhere in the globe instead of just in the U.S.? Why pay New York City, uh, New York City salaries to an employee in Bangladesh, right? I mean, it doesn't make sense. Isn't that more, dis more deflation, right? Yes. So think about what's happening. So in other words, way more jobs are coming out of society than anybody knows. Staggering amount. And, and we're making it happen faster and faster. So... But that also means that real estate prices are way too high, right? Because 50% of the real estate, if 50% of the people aren't in the real estate in the towers, then you think that the real estate, commercial real estate has to fall by that. And a lot of restaurants will close and a lot of everything else will close as a result of that. So what are, but, but if that happened, then a lot of the commercial loans against that 
and the bond funds and everything else that hold their paper against that, including the banks, they also fail. So 2008, <laughs> 2009. I mean, it's a, it's a complete repeat of the same cycle. We've learned nothing. Exactly. So what, so what does the government do? They prop up those asset prices and by, by doing what they're doing. And by propping up the asset prices, they hold prices unnaturally high, right? And then there's a whole bunch of society that can't pay for those prices being high. The system can't, entrepreneurs can't pay for that. They can't start businesses and everything else. Or, or in the real estate too, in, in, in residential real estate, those assets and prices are high. And there's a whole bunch of society that cannot pay for the prices that you pay, pay for. And their food and housing and the medical care is going way up. And, right. then, and it's not like their salaries are rising, right? Exactly. I mean, they, they have either the same or less money, arguably, to pay for more expensive goods. So they're effectively priced out of everything. Be, because because the center is trying to create inflation, making their salaries worth, worth less, and they live in a competitive environment of what we just talked about, where, where salaries are less. Right. Where, where the companies are driving. So the salaries are, gonna, are going down or, or neutral because that competition comes in, or the companies are replacing that labor with technology. Right. So that's that. And, and then what would you do if you can't pay your bills and everything else and you can't pay your food and housing and everything else and it keeps going higher and higher? Wouldn't it be natural if you were on the other side of that equation that you would say, I need to vote the government in that gives me free money, right? Of course. So, so by distorting capitalism and the free market economy, you get socialism and you get a rise of socialism. And, and, and this is predictable, but an ebb and flow throughout history, like a clock ticking back and forth on a pendulum. This is, uh, this is, this is a predictable consequence. And then and essentially all of those roads lead to the biggest thug being in power and changing rules. So if you look at uh, if you look at communists, if you look at Russia, if you look at China, if you look at Saudi Arabia and everything else, power is controlled, right? That's the path, by the way, on both political parties in the U.S. That's the path that we are on, right? That's the path that just about it because as you centralize, it's power, not party specific at all. I mean, it's the path. It's the, the very nature of the, the beast at this point. Both parties have no ability to stop what's coming. Right. Zero. And they're both, and, and one party is saying, uh, oh, if it, I'm, I, I, it's capitalism and everything else, and it's not capitalism, right? And, 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 and the other party is, is a response to that. It's driving more socialism. Both parties have no idea what's going on underneath this that, that could provide abundance to society. It's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. That, uh, and, and so, so the political discourse on both sides of this and, and, these, and people moving into silos, yelling at each other, when it's a perfectly predictable consequence of, of monetary policy um, underneath on a structural change, is, it, it blows my mind. It's funny because we have uh, extremely rich people literally moving into silos. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you see them for sale, like literal missile silos, you know, bunkers being sold all over the world to the, to the wealthiest people for, you know, for when the, the world completely melts down. Yeah. And, and because, because if you just carry this forward, and that's what I talked about in, in, in the book a lot, um, the, the, and actually funny, COVID just accelerated everything I talked in the yeah, book. Yeah, it was it, already there. It was, it was already there. But 
but the next response and what the one after that, this is really predictable throughout history. You see it all the time throughout history. So, so I know this is a Bitcoin podcast and I, I didn't talk specifically in my book about Bitcoin until the end, but that's actually what, um, cause I wanted to understand, I wanted to understand this from a first principles basis. What are the options? Why are people making these decisions? What's likely to happen next? And then, a response to that, what's likely to happen. And today, the beautiful thing about Bitcoin is it provides, a, a, I would say, a life raft away from that's, uh, from, um, from, uh, from what's ha- happening. And that yeah, you can opt raft, out. <laughs> and that life raft, is, I suspect, is going to be incredibly important. I am begging in mind. To uh, to get, I think it's it's completely irresponsible to not have some in your portfolio. Thank you, thank you. I agree a hundred percent. Even if it, I mean, even if it's one percent, two percent, five percent, the the fact that that could be the only thing you have left that's worth anything down the road makes it a worthwhile hedge, and that it's idiosyncratic and could you know obviously has its own value and, and risk that's a different risk profile than every other asset basically that you can own. I've said this on a couple other podcasts, but this is so. So, if you look throughout history, right? Um, why don't people move from their country when they see this coming? Because right? they don't see it coming. <laughs> you know, many do. Normalcy bias, though, right? I, I would actually argue that in Weimar Republic, with wheelbarrows full of money, right? Yeah, and, how could you not at that point? And, and even before that, and the rise of tensions. Right before before Hitler was elected, you could see the rise of tension. You could see the breaking of society. You could see it coming for a long time. Right. Right. You can see it coming in the U.S. right now. You can see for it a long time. Yeah. For a long time. You can see the. You can see it getting worse and worse. And these signposts that you're seeing are all connected to something else. People are looking at the signposts and saying, "Wow, can you believe that person did that?" And 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 it's getting worse. And worse. Or that group of people did that. If you look back to what it's connected for, this is super easy to see what's happening, going to happen next and, and, and after that. Really predictable, really predictable throughout history. So why don't people move? And in the past, it's because all their wealth was concentrated in a country. Their, their real estate was concentrated in that country, their real estate wealth, their business wealth was in. It was all denominated in that currency and they couldn't move it. And so what they would be, do is they would, buy a citadel, they try to try and everything else, and they try to get political power and everything else and, and, and be concentrated, and they couldn't get it. And, and getting out without the currency was like being in a, re- a refugee in another Absolutely. country. Yep. Absolutely. And so they would long for the time that it'll change instead of getting worse and worse and worse. There we are. And, and, and that's where we are right now. Right, that we're, we're, we're there right now. And I suspect that on both political party, parties, they're not going to change. I wish they would. I wish we could have a real debate about the core principle instead of, instead of what's happening now, which is just a song and dance and media show. Um, because then really great minds could, how do we work to cause abundance and a great solution? But that doesn't seem to be happening. And, and so Bitcoin, if you just go where, where Bitcoin uh, goes out of this, you can remember your passwords and move anywhere. Yep. Right? You, can, um, you can take your wealth with you wherever you go. And, and so it, it's, it's a lifeboat to what's going to happen. 
But it's interesting. You talked about why people don't leave their country. And the implication there is like, why don't wealthy people leave their country? Right. Like I've got all this money. It, it's coming. My, 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 you know, my, my net worth is going to be devalued. It's going to disappear. I need to move. Interestingly with Bitcoin, that's an argument for the wealthy, but also for the poor, right? You see refugees at the border border all the time paying whatever they have left their mom's ring, their, you know, their dad's heirloom watch and, and, handing over their luggage and leaving, bribing the border officials to get across with nothing left. And if you have your seed phrases in your mind, that doesn't happen with Bitcoin. So yep. it's really a solution at every single level from, from the poorest to the wealthiest. And you see that too, uh, Bitcoin Black America. That, the, the, uh, uh, I had him on the show. Yeah. And so, so when, you, when you start to see different, different people, this could be the greatest wealth transfer the world has ever seen to the middle class and poor like without revolution to the middle class and poor because they can they can make the same vote right now that vote being buy bitcoin and, and opt out of the system so you obviously teed it up earlier we have we know what the problem is uh we have seen the future in the past right i mean this this is a repeating cycle it's no mystery as to what's likely to happen so you obviously have ideas as to what the solution is yeah, and 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 I looked at uh, and I looked at all of the solutions. Now, I was hopeful, very hopeful, when I wrote the book. Now, remember, I wrote the book in two thousand, beginning part of two thousand nineteen, and I published it in two, early two thousand twenty, uh, just before kind of this all happened. So, when I wrote the book, I was hopeful that there could be policy that you'd move policy and have a gradual unwind. And that you could save save currencies. Um, I no longer believe that that can happen. I, yeah. I wish I, I wish I did, um, but but we've just made the problem exponentially worse. Right? Governments have to. There's two choices: um, default on currency uh, through uh, default. Uh, both are default. Uh, default. Uh, uh, depression. Default on debt. Um, uh, drive hyperinflation. Default on currency. There's there's only two choices from here, and both those choices have profound consequences for how society looks today and a creation of new money, right? So, so, um, but if you look out past that, and you if you look at um, what I uh, what I talked about in the book, why are we fighting so hard about against gravity, right? Why are we why are we forcing concentration of wealth through through crazy policy and leaving society out because the natural order of things through technology is is we why do you use technology because you save time right and and your time is the most valuable thing in your life and um and and so technology if you let natural forces happen distribute that abundance through to the technology gain to society in general a mass-driven society, you would have that abundance everywhere. People think uh, economics is about value. Economics is about scarcity. And technology is opposite. It creates abundance. So as, as technology, it's going to remove the jobs anyways, right? And so as technology automates things, instead of thinking, I need to work more to, to pay for artificially rising prices that, that, that aren't natural, they're artificial and I need to work longer and longer and harder to keep up with prices. And I need better paying jobs to do that. 
when we know that that can't happen, right? And so you're going to drive a whole bunch of stuff. So you're going to concentrate wealth through that, uh, and you're going to you're going to drive revolution through that. Why wouldn't you just, as the jobs came out, drive prices down lower and lower and lower? So we would free the most important thing that, that we have is a time. 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 And 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 if you look at hard money, if you look at everything else, it forces governments to um, to allow the natural course, which are, technology would create abundance, technology would create abundance for us all. It would look a lot more like Star Trek than it does <laughs> Terminator. Yeah. Um, and that's what would, that's what would happen. That's interesting. So does the answer that, I mean, but what happens to all these people when they start losing their jobs and technology takes over, we obviously have like the Yang, you know, universal basic income concept, which is just send everybody helicopter money. Um, yeah, that could be further inflationary. But, yeah. But let's, let's go into that. And, and, and just from a first principles basis, and, and I would love to have this debate with him, Kelton, anybody who believes that that is like, look through history. You can't create money. Out. Um, and, and so I don't, but, but I understand these aren't bad people. They're putting, they're putting a socialism fix on uh, their bigger government, more control of government fix on a problem that can't be solved there because they do care about the same thing. They just have the wrong solution. And so it's not they're bad people. They're just stuck in a framework that says, and a whole bunch of people, it's easy to say, oh, wow, if I don't have to pay, well, I, I need more money, I'll take more money, without the consequence of, wait, I'm taking more money, I'm taking, what the government says they're going to give me is a tiny little bit of what they artificially created the prices higher to give me, right? And it puts, and it, so it's such a ludicrous um, well, roundthex.com is one of my favorite companies in the entire crypto space. What they do is take all your small purchases and round them up to the nearest dollar and invest that spare change into any of over 30 crypto assets of your choice. They integrate with your favorite exchanges so that you can view various exchange balances all in one dashboard and round up into different assets all at the same time. And they do all this without ever holding any of your Bitcoin. This is by far the best way to dollar cost average into Bitcoin. Go to roundthex.com and use the promo code WOLF for $4 in free Bitcoin after making your first roundup or purchase. That's R-O-U-N-D-L-Y-X.com and code WOLF for $4 in free Bitcoin. Diginex is making huge moves and is soon to be the first crypto exchange listed on the NASDAQ. This means that people will finally be able to invest on a platform they're comfortable with without being directly exposed to Bitcoin absolutely massive for mainstream adoption. Diginex has basically everything investors need under a single roof, including an institutional-grade exchange called Equus. Equus allows institutional and retail investors alike access to an exchange that's on par with platforms they've come to trust in other markets. This means they are compliant with regulation, transparent and fair with regards to fees and orders, secure and far ahead of the curve in regards to innovation. Go to equus.com wolf to get 5% off trading fees. That's E-Q-U-O-S dot com slash W-O-L-F to get 5% off of your trading fees. Sign up now. Unless you've been living under a rock, you've heard about the DeFi craze in crypto. By far the safest and simplest way to passively earn in the space is to hold your coins on Celsius. 
You can earn your rewards in the same crypto you're holding, or you can earn even more in their sell token. Right now, I choose to earn 5% on Ethereum in Ethereum and 15% on my stable coins in sell token. It's a little bit better than the sub 1% interest rates you can earn in a legacy bank account. Celsius was founded with the belief that crypto is the opportunity to really shake up the financial system. They're changing the standards for all financial services. They share 80% of their revenue in the form of weekly reward payments. That's how their users are earning up to 15% APY with compounding rewards. They also commit to providing the lowest cost loans on the market. Their loans start at just 1% APR. For just 1% interest, you can borrow cash against your crypto and avoid selling, which also eliminates the taxable event. It's absolutely huge. High rewards on your holdings and low interest on loans on a platform whose mission you can believe in. Celsius is giving $20 to every new user that joins with promo code WOLF. Just enter the code in the app during registration. $20 is awarded after 30 days of maintaining a wallet balance of $200 or more. Visit Celsius.com network that's c-e-l-s-i-u-s dot network and use promo code wolf w-o-l-f right and to that end we talk about and we've talked about here the the idea that prices continue to rise and that's inflation uh, inflation but really i mean what people need to understand that's not really what's happening what's happening is your money's worth less right it's relative to your money so like you can watch the rise of the stock market but if you peg that against bitcoin or gold instead of against the dollar well, stock market's not quite as impressive as it as it as it looks right right you could argue that stocks are rising is not really the case but in reality the dollar is dropping correct yeah so so that's it mmt all of these proposals um just just essentially centralize more power in government and what created the problem, central banks and government, what created the problem and, and we're gonna essentially, we're gonna have way more higher prices, we're gonna create higher prices and we're gonna give you more, a little bit of that money to pay for the higher prices. And then the more you do that, the more you centralize. And when I said it looks like the biggest thug, right? You could hope in that case for enlightened leaders that are that you're gonna give all your power it's to. It's not them. what happens. It never, what happens? Once you control a society, and it's uh, it just never it, history shows it never happens. So um, so well, I again, I'm happy to debate the uh, on a first principle. It's not bad people. Is uh, the in a in an environment in a politicized environment like this, a lot of people will say those socialists, those communists, and everything else. And on the very other side not realize that they're saying the same thing about how capitalism works today. <laughs> I mean, yeah. And it's not a political statement at all, because like you said, you see it on both sides, but you know, to, to derail it for, for the people in power who are seeing stocks go up and they're, you know, wealthy and they're being given bailouts and they're being, their corporate bonds are being purchased by the government. And then those are the same, very same people who are criticizing socialism when it's just corporate socialism. So socialism, that's, it's like Crony capitalism uh, those socialism. in power believe socialism only applies to poor people. Totally. totally. Right. But, and, but rich and, people are the ones who are actually the benefactors of socialism in this country. And, and here's one thing I would, I would say, I am blown away that more, the, the amount of, I've been, I, I've been blessed by what's happening on the book, right? The, the, this is getting into some major circles. Good and, timing. <laughs> and, 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 and so some of the stuff that's coming to me is staggering um, from some of those same 
some of those same circles. But I am, I'm blown away that way more of the billionaire class hasn't come in and said, this is what's, because a bunch of that billionaire class is created, created actually out of the technology advancements that I'm talking of course. about. And they, they have to know better, right? And, and they are actually the most at risk of if this system, fa- as this, as this system fails, because if you keep driving it along this axis. Their money um, will be vapor, yeah. Not just their money, they, they'll be able to get out into Bitcoin and other stuff as well, but you won't be able to stop the march of pitchforks coming for them, right? That's yeah. how these things reset. And so, so if anybody should care a lot about this, it should be the wealthy that, that look over the fence and say, a society doesn't function well, um, doesn't function at all, unless you, have, uh, unless you have equitable rules in that society. I mean, it's like feudal lords in their castles. It's not very, I mean, it does, you can go back thousands and thousands and thousands of years and the example never changes. So, Presumably, then we need to let technology advance and do its job and free up more time. But how does that uh, affect the average person if they lose their job as a result? You know, what's the answer for them? So this is the this is the hardest thing to comprehend, right? And there might need to be a transition, and whether it's UBI, whether it's something, there might need to be some sort of transition, right? To how do we allow society to make this transition? Because that transition could be abrupt and, and, and dislocation everywhere. Um, just imagine, just do a thought experiment and say, Bitcoin wins today, it's a, it's a million dollars a coin today. Right, global reserve currency, whatever, right, the whole narrative. Yeah. And, and say, can you imagine society in that? Nobody would have it. And we'd be living Mad Max. I mean, we, it would literally be, yeah. It would be, so So even though a bunch of Bitcoiners and everything else want this to go up really fast. I talk about this all the time. Yeah, we, we want, don't want, we want this. We want this to go slow, slower and we want more people to have this. And we want, the, we want governments to understand it, embrace it and, and, um, and drive adoption uh, to it. I'd rather um, have half as much worth twice as much. <laughs> for sure, with more people having exposure. Yeah. More people having exposure. And some of the, the structures that provide a good life underneath it, right? Because if it, if it happened really fast now, it'd be just uh, complete chaos. It'd be the end of the world. I mean, yeah, it really would. Yeah. yeah. So, um, but, but again, if you sort of going back to your point on what if you just let, let it happen. So let's say that, so the risk on the person today losing their job is they know prices are going up. That, that, I'm, when I fall off this ladder, this this crazy ladder, I drop to the and I don't know what I'm, I can't feed my family. I can't do anything else. The risk on a on a deflationary path, it would fall. Like imagine housing at, at one tenth the value. Yeah, imagine all of these things, all of the things you buy today at one tenth value, and things, and and I, I use this uh, example often, but uh, the air you breathe is abundant. You can't price it. Um, you, you get it for free. That's what technology creates everywhere, everywhere. Um, and, and it won't, it, some things will still cost money as entrepreneurs race into those opportunities to drive them down. Right. Um, and more and more of society will get thing. The technology will be like air, right? Yes. There'll be pockets of opportunity. There's tons of opportunity in markets today. 
But if you let the natural forces, thing, your flashlight app on your phone, you don't pay for. Your right. camera on your phone, you don't pay for. Your, right. your, your, my guitar tuner, I don't pay for. Um, and people think, oh, that's because Google or so Apple subsidizes it. It's not. It's because the technology to write that code costs nothing. Costs and nothing. It, it right. Distributes across the world for zero. And so more and more of those things, not just in technology, but technology is a base layer in everything else. More and more of those things are going to happen. And if we could let that happen, and we could we could share the abundance that comes from technology, and capitalism would work perfectly. Entrepreneurs seeking opportunities to provide better value, if they're right, would drive along that axis. Debt would work perfectly in that. Savings at first would be way more important. And then uh, my savings, if I could get a return on my savings by betting on an entrepreneur and looking at, okay, you're doing this and it's going to deflate over time, but you can create a big business in, in doing that, I would invest in that entrepreneur just the same as I would today. Um, it would work perfectly. Stopping that, there is no, I don't see another alternative. You can't stop, yeah. It won't be stopped, right? So you only warp society by trying to stop it. And, and we're really warping society. So the idea being that technology frees up so much time and the price of goods drops so dramatically that you don't really need a high paying job. If any, you could do something and be able to afford your life and, and live a better life with much lower prices and much Renna more Renna time on your hands. Renna Renaissance, art, a whole bunch of things free, frees up your time instead of being on a hamster wheel to, to, to try to save enough money to retire the last 10 years of your life in relative comfort before that money is destroyed. It just looks opposite. It's really hard to comprehend because we've been conditioned. Our brains grew up there. So they're wired for this other world. So when I say this to some people, they go, no, 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 because they go back to the way their brains are wired. Right. But it doesn't matter. Like, <laughs> um, it, it almost it doesn't matter what central bankers want want um i wanted a red bike for christmas when i was seven and i didn't get it <laughs> they can't yeah. stop this from happening right they in the long run they can short short term they can uh, they can change the rules you can instead of the central banks they can make the treasury uh, the de facto and you could print helicopter money you could drive hyperinflation but long term we are going to have um, uh, deflationary uh, because technology uh, deflationary world because technology is a bigger force than the abuse of money. What's interesting is that you know your average Bitcoiner certainly like maximalist has always had the like dollar will hyperinflate my Bitcoin will be worth something that's the future right dollars going to hyperinflate dollars going to hyperinflate and it gives you this assumption that that's the fear of the Fed and the central banks but they're much more scared of deflation than they are of inflation correct. Yeah, because, because why is that if this is such if this is so superior because the entire, it's not for them <laughs> but, but the entire system collapses banks collapse if you said that uh, I, I don't want to say these are bad people but the entire system under which they've built the 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 temple on the hill collapses entirely right. if, if they allow deflation the and so so it, it it doesn't look good right these are two choices and, and the probabilities are there. So it's, it would be hard in a political environment like this to say to, for a central bank to retain authority, to say, to say, we're going to let the natural clearing functions of capitalism, shrimpeters, a lot of creative destruction happen. 
um, because because there's consequences because they didn't let it happen in 2008 and they didn't let it happen in 2000 and they've made the uh, debt bubble so the debt bubble of all bubbles um, the consequences are so profound for the world it'd be really hard to be on your watch and say okay we're going to let the banking system fail fail so that means they're just kicking the can right well, I mean, just, eventually it's popping. They just don't want to be the one who's standing there holding the bag when it does. It's failure by a different, different route. That's what it is. It's a, it's a, again, this is failing no matter what. It's just defla- right. But the, the, the deflation, even if there was a seamless path to it, which we all know that there isn't, but if this abundant future, if you could lay out a direct path with not that much pain, they still wouldn't want it because it's the very thing that threatens the core of their power and the entire system as a whole. Right. I mean, yeah, well, I, I, deflation I, is the I, end of central banks. It's the end of, uh, yeah. it's the, it's the end of the wealthiest people. It's the end of this kleptocracy that we have and all the corporate socialism that we've talked about because it really democratizes money and for the people. Yeah. I would say I want that. Yeah. But, but if you, if you look up through history and everything else and you just, I, again, I can argue all sides of this. I, I of course. Tend to. You have to. Um, um, but capitalism isn't perfect either. Like a free market, to, to say we're all equal, we're not all equal. Um, we have very different skills. And in certain times in, in a capitalist world, like a total free market, um, those skills are valued by the market differently. And that creates you know, inequality left unchecked. Capitalism also creates an inequality that concentrates wealth and power and everything else. So, so, so it's just, if you looked at uh, a free market, there's only two ways to organize labor and, and, and uh, capital at this scale, right? Free market or socialism. And, and anything, and, and so, so those are the kind of two ends of the scale. And, and, that free market, there needs, I do believe, there needs to be checks and balances um, against the pure capital free, uh, free market so that you could provide a, a transition for societies to thrive, right? Well, we don't have, I mean, nothing we, have, we have right now even is reminiscent of a free, like people love to say that the United States is a free market, that capitalism mm-hmm. thrives, but we have neither of those things, right? It doesn't look anything like that. And then so, so all roads lead to uh, the biggest thug in power, right? Changing of laws to create, to concentrate more power and more wealth. That's what, what all what's the last society that we can point at or any society on earth that you would actually define as a free market? Well, so, so if you think about what the U S look like for, for a lot of, uh, it looked like a free market, what produced the wealth and what produced the, the meaningful rise of the U S uh, it, it looked like a free market. And, We're talking and, about a long time ago. Yeah, but uh, but it, it, what's happened? It kind of a, same thing as what's happening on the exponential curve of technology, wanting to change this. What's happening is, is exponentially the debt and the monetization of the debt is making it worse and worse. So how it feels today is so far away that it felt from it, what it felt in the seventies, or and 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 it it slowly got worse, and now it's getting worse at a scale that is hard to comprehend. But it, but but what drove a prospering middle class? What drove what drove the highest innovation? Have a middle class, right? Yeah. yeah. But but what drove that for uh, for generations? It, it, it is mostly a free market economy. Yes, it was. Yes, there was going off the gold reserve changed that. 
um, and and it happens slowly, slowly. So and so it almost doesn't look. It's not. You can't even comprehend but, that. Well, talk about talk. Okay, you just talked about going off the gold standard, which I always find a very interesting conversation. So we obviously went to this debt-based fiat. What was the what was the compulsion behind that decision? What motivated that? So, and I talk about this in the book too, but it's just game theory, right? So, so if people uh, Keynes did would not be an advocate of what's happening today. Clearly. <laughs> Um, and and so he he proposed a, a bank or on a unit instead of uh, instead of the U.S. dollar tied to tied to gold, because he knew that that if the U.S. currency was tied uh, to gold, eventually they would go off the gold uh, gold standard. And what they did is effectively they couldn't pay their bills, right? Taxes were really high at that time. I think they were ninety percent. Yeah, ninety percent for the wealthiest at some point. Ninety-two percent it topped out or something. Yeah. And they couldn't inflate away, and they couldn't, uh, and they couldn't take taxes up anymore. So they, so they took their problem and they exported it to the world. Right? Um, and now that gave them control of a fiat currency that they could manipulate at will. Um, and if you look at what happened to, it started slowly, right? Started uh, so, and it just got progressively worse. As if you want to, in every country's response, every country's response to that is do the same thing. So now you have competitive devaluations of currencies um, all around. To, and how do you trade with somebody if you can't trust their currency? And so, so then you have trade tariffs coming in, and you have the and, and all of it is a function of not having sound money. So right, I mean, our government. I think it's pretty clear. I mean, our president has said he wants a weaker dollar to be able yeah. to compete. And then China wants a weaker dollar too. And then uh, Euro wants a weaker dollar too. So it's just a competitive value. And all of that's going into like, how do you trade? How do you trade? If you had your own economy and you didn't have to trade, you didn't have to buy raw materials from other countries or anything else that was completely self-contained. I don't know, maybe you could get away with it if you could, if you could trick your society uh, for well, long enough. Maybe one could argue that that money is certainly this structure of money was created in a world where you didn't really have to worry about the rest of the world. Right. Right. I mean, these were national currencies pre real globalism before we had, you know, multinational inter, uh, corporations all over the world, before we were trading at this level, before everything we used was being made in foreign countries and things like that. So maybe as, you know, I guess playing devil's advocate, these currencies could work if it was very insular and very within your own, borders right yeah. i mean and again you you know uh, history doesn't exactly uh, repeat it rhymes but it doesn't repeat we are living in so what's happening today in technology just keep coming back to that and i, I, I encourage your viewers to keep coming back to that if they knew what's happening and fast as ai is moving if they knew it, it's borderless it doesn't care right it doesn't i, I was it, it, here's a crazy irony i'm on I, i'm on uh what uh, with the House of Commons in Canada, their finance committee, all the politicians in Canada uh, presenting this, uh, uh, presenting what's happening and everything else. And we're using Zoom. And there isn't one job in Canada on Zoom. And, and they can't understand what's happening. And that mobility of labor to be able to create the uh, best platforms is completely borderless. Nothing, no government's going to stop it. Right. Yeah. It's, and, and, and it's getting it increasingly so over and over and over again. 
Um, and it's going to move not just from what we're looking at now. If you saw some of the stuff that's on the radar, if you saw some of the stuff that I'm very involved in now, it's not widely distributed yet. People don't know about it yet. They just see glimpses. But if you saw some of the stuff that's coming, you just you, you just go, there is no possible way that net-net there's way more jobs in the globe with what's coming. There's no possible way. Yeah, I, I had uh, recently, uh, very recently, I put out an episode with uh, Humayun Sheik, who's the uh, CEO of Fetch AI. And he was, you know, one of the leaders on global uh, DeepMind, you know, which sold to Google and everything. And <laughs> he definitely uh, got my wheels turning and put this in perspective for me, how much AI is going to, I mean, machine learning, AI, these things are going to control everything. I mean, yeah. you're not, you know, we were joking about uh, me telling my daughter that she's never going to drive a car whenever she asks because she's five. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's just the future is, I think it's clear that the technology is the future and that, you know, most of these things that humans are doing, we're not going to be doing. I mean, yeah, and, 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 and what ends up happening is we can, we can have this conversation and then we can go back to say, saying, okay, well, how do I get the biggest, highest paying job in a world that looks like that? And if you just zoom up a level, that's what's happening all over the world. Because and we're forcing that to happen because of a inextricable. We have to have prices rising all the time, so yeah. that we have to have more jobs and we have to have high, ever higher, higher paying jobs. When it's actually not the order of things, it's not the natural order of things. It's the opposite to the natural order of things. It really is. Yeah, it, it, it really is. So we've obviously let's get into the solutions. You know, we've talked about for your average person uh, talking about the solutions for the government. Obviously, we, we've gone there, but Bitcoin, buy Bitcoin, right? That's that's one obvious solution. It's an obvious hedge, even if you can only buy a little. You know, your your downside risk to buying a little is very low. Your upside potential is is tremendous. What else can we do? Yeah. So I so so where I would place my bets right now. So is. I, Rao Paul said that he's irresponsibly long Bitcoin. I am too, right? Yeah, the, me too. <laughs> um, and but but I would say so. So I would also have some in in cash, even though that I know that the the likelihood, the high likelihood, is governments are going to destroy their currencies. If we have any misses in policy, and we go to a deflationary spiral, that cash will be worth uh, worth having. Um, so, so I would say, and, and us dollar, people think it's going to fail tomorrow. It's not going to fail tomorrow. Not happy. It's the world's reserve currency. Exactly. By the way, when you say cash, do you mean literal cash in a bank or mattress, or do you trust your bank to be holding that cash for you? Because if the bank fails and there's a run on the bank, your cash is not, I mean, your cash right now that's in a bank is being lended and is not sitting in the bank anyways. Right. Yeah. So as I understand the, the banks in Canada are way stronger as far as, so, but I would be, so it depends on what bank um, and, and Canada wouldn't be strong if it wasn't so, but I would be careful what bank and, but yeah, but yeah some actual cash on hand. <laughs> because if you, uh, because if, if it was depression and you could buy assets for, pennies on the dollar. Yeah, of course. That, that's where the real wealth is created, right? The people who actually have cash during a depression, during a deflationary environment. And, and so, and then uh, tech companies are a really good store of value against this because, because they're cons consolidating wealth faster as a result of this year. They're, they're all, if, if, 
have your anyone who's listening to this look up network effects, explore network effects. Network effects uh, are seventy percent of the value of most technology companies, and and they get stronger and stronger and stronger. Really hard to break. Actually, Bitcoin, the whole net internet is a network yep. effect. Yep. Bitcoin is a network effect early in its days, so that's why that's why it has such potential crazy value. Um, but look up, explore what the network effect really is. Um, and so, and for me personally, um, I, I get to construct companies and I get to work with incredible founders that, so for me personally in technology, there, there's crazy wealth that's, that's being created in technology is staggering because if you understand how to, how to construct these and you have, you have people that are working with you on them, you can create some, and you create that wealth by by positively impacting humanity at a, at a really great scale. Right. right. That's your, average you, per, your average person isn't doing that. So, I mean, maybe your average person spends their life savings on one share of Amazon. <laughs> you know? um, so, you know, it's still, unfortunately, and I think this is a pattern that has been and will be repeated forever. The little guy is going to get screwed no matter what. Right. Well, I, I don't know. So, so, what does an entrepreneur do? Do and and this ties into a, an investment thesis too. What does an entrepreneur do? What did I do to gain my wealth? Right. I I had an idea that could help people, and I went all in. And when you do that, when you're you're concentrating all of your time, all of your everything, all of your resources into one thing. I sold my house into that thing. I, I everything into that one thing. If you're right. And you do, and, and that's why capitalism is such a it's it's it's, it's incredible in that regard. Yes, so, so, but 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 it but it's 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 most people fail, right? And you, they go to zero, and it, and that that competitive environment about competing with the entire world and trying to trying to win a part of the market, and that market the only way to win is to actually create value for other people, is actually what the and, and it's it's hard changes you. You, 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 the person started the company looks totally, I was a totally different person, the learning, the whatever you have. And so if you're lucky, if you do that job well, and you, then you concentrate wealth and it's all in one thing. Right? And what does that person do? That minute, they diversify. Yeah, right? of course. Because it's too much risk to be able to concentrate. So what that is a, is a derivative of that. Um, Going all into something is uh, concentrating your, your concentrating your energy, time, resources, and is high risk, high reward. Right. So if somebody wanted to have high risk, high reward, go all in Bitcoin. Go all in. Um, I personally wouldn't do that, to, but I'm in a different spot than uh, than than. You don't than have to. I don't have to. And, and so, how do you protect? It's a different wealth? conversation. How do you protect wealth? Diversify, right? Make sure that's that not how you get it. <laughs> that's not how you get it. So, uh, and and so, is is really important for your viewers or your uh, your people listening to this to understand that what they're, what they're doing because I don't suspect this is any probability, any possibility from where we are now. But what I did, if Bitcoin went to zero, it wouldn't hurt me, right? Um, and so, if but if you were all in, it might hurt you, right? Or and, but if you're younger. And you want to learn I, bigger than all of those things, right? Age. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and, but bigger than all of those things against 
what created everything for me, and I'm talking my family life, my friends, my, everything around, and, and wasn't specifically the entrepreneurial journey. It's what it did to me to understand everything else. It was my curiosity. It was my learning. It was when I say time is the most your valuable, your most valuable asset. It's where are you putting your time into it, hopefully impacting other people's lives that if you do that really well, you, you win on all scales, right? Because it forces that learning for you to continually do, do that. And that learning is the most valuable thing in your life. I mean, I, I talk about that all the time. People think I'm corny or <laughs> that I am harping on a point, but I always say that the only reason to have money is to buy time, not totally. to buy things, right? Totally. So, it's, so, it, so it doesn't, and when you really understand what that looks, uh, what, what that looks like, um, is uh, and 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 even more valuable than it, it's not uh, the most valuable is when you feel like you make a difference in other people's lives when you when you show up and and the most valuable thing like counting dollars at the end of the day what is that worth what is it uh, the um, it's hollow if you just have like what what amount of money is enough. Right. some sort of endless, I mean, it's the golden handcuffs, you know, you, uh, get the hundred thousand dollar apartment out of college when you get your investment banking job, but then you want the $500,000 apartment. So you need the job that pays 10 times more Then you scale up everything. And eventually you're, uh, you know, a slave to earning more, no matter how much you have. You're on a mouse wheel. I used to say this to in young presidents organization to other people who couldn't see this and why they were doing this. I, I said, you say that your value at you, your family is most important. I said, open your calendar. Right. And their calendar blocked everything, business and everything else. Yep. And, and you can, it's easy to tell us a lie, right? Tell ourselves a lie that we're all doing it for somebody else, but it feels really good in business when, when everybody says you're great and everything else to go all there. And, and, and then you wonder why your family is breaking. And that is breaking because you're not being truthful with yourself on where your time's going. That's, uh, that, that's true. And they know it and you know it, but you don't, you, you, you end up getting on this mouse wheel and forgetting, uh, forgetting those things. So it is about time. It's about time uh, impacting the people that you care about the most. It's interesting. So many things you've said echo, you know, my own thoughts and sort of the things that I attempt to, to, to preach uh, often less eloquently that you've done it than you've done it. But like, uh, the one thing we kind of just touched on is age also plays a huge factor because, um, like you said, you know, if you, if Bitcoin goes to zero, you'll be fine. I mean, if Bitcoin goes to zero, I'll, I'll be fine as well. I'll, I wouldn't be happy, but my life would, my life would go on. And, but that, you know, if you're all in when you're 70 on something versus all in when you're 20, it's a very different conversation as well. Right. So, um, so this, this ties back to a couple of things we said about before. And, and, and so if you're all in on a currency and all your stuff is in one current currency denominated and, and you're 70, that's a huge risk. Yeah. It's a huge risk. Um, it, but people don't know they're all in on one, one uh, asset class because they don't understand systematic risk. They don't understand that literally everything they own goes down together. So, exactly. yeah. But I, so then, then, yeah, but we didn't, it hasn't been long. We have examples. I mean, if you were like retiring in 2008 and then you couldn't retire, but also didn't have a job, we've seen this, right? I mean, we've seen people lose everything that they thought they had saved in safe investments for their entire life and 
here we are again. Lebanon today, Venezuela today. This happens all over the world, and uh, and people that are that think that they're safe are now on the street, right? Um, and that can happen anywhere, and it can happen. In, by the way, it's going to happen. It's just a matter of yeah. time. Uh, it's the it, cycle. Yeah, it's a cycle. So we should buy Bitcoin, save some dollars, and invest in technology. <laughs> I, I would say. <laughs> I would say. I think that's a, a good good way to a uh, good way to end it. So, where can everybody uh, keep up with you after this and uh, follow your journey? Um, the uh, Twitter is probably best at Jeff Booth. Um, and and it, it just I do these podcasts for the same reason. I, the, the book sales it doesn't matter. The book sales actually I care about because I care about a whole bunch more people understanding what's happening. It's the impact, not the money, of course. I don't right? need to make a dollar yeah. on the book. I don't need to. <laughs> the, uh, the, yeah. um, so, so I do these just to, so hopefully more people are saying the same reason you do them. Right? So hopefully more, more people can understand what's go- going on and they can make their own choices and to help, help, help protecting themselves and their family. It's hard though. <laughs> and we, we, you know, we all preach it and I think that we do it, you know, but it's just so hard to change those deeply ingrained feelings and thoughts that people have about money and society and, and the, the things that are truly important. I, I get caught in the trap too. I mean, it's not like I don't buy stuff, you know, but it is really um, very hard message to deliver, but maybe if people hear it a hundred times on different podcasts, eventually they'll start to truly. What ends up, yeah, what ends up happening is one of these things we've said today will grab somebody, and 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 that person will want to think deeper about this and and maybe question some of the things they learned, and 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 take, that's what's happening with the book. That's what's happening. Yeah, it's, it's been it's sure. been it's been amazing. Yeah, I mean, I can't imagine the feeling of having that level of of impact. It's something I think uh, everyone can certainly aspire to. I mean, that's how we all, that's how almost everybody who like deeply believes in Bitcoin, we all got there sort of in that way, right? There was some spark. I came because I was a trader and I wanted to make dollars, you know what I mean? But then somewhere along the line, I was like, this is actually important. This makes a difference, you know? And I think that that... That's what happens when you see the value of your portfolio go down like seventy or eighty percent. You actually start to uh, think about what you're investing in, right? So, so what you just said, said the amount of people, the number of people in this community, in the Bitcoin community. Yes, there's some hard edge. There's one uh, that 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 it's all against other people. But I would say that by and large, the the amount of people in this community that really just are, are unbelievable people. <laughs> um, Looking at first principles, it's been, it's been, uh, I've met some just awesome people through this adventure. It's just been uh, probably, I would say that writing the book, that's actually been the best, best outcome. So uh, all of the people that I've met uh, through the adventure and this, it's just been, it's been fantastic. Yeah, I, I say the same thing about the podcast is people are like, why'd you start a podcast? I said, because Blockworks Group or producers came to me and said, hey, do you want to do a podcast? And I was like, yeah, why, why not? But it wasn't some great thing. But the, the real benefit of it is that I get to sit for an hour with people like you and learn about something that I'm not a master at. It's like, it's like I'm getting paid to, to get a college education. It's really, it's a really incredible thing. So thank you so much for your time. I know we got to go. I really do appreciate it. And I'll be uh, keeping up. And I have to say that you made me think about a lot of things that even, you know, send me deeper down my own rabbit holes, I think. So I really do appreciate that. That's dope.